0: Hey everybody, and welcome back to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, he is Steve, and it is quite the adventure to be an embedded journalist among Yakuza. In episode 279 today, July 14th, 2022, we're going to be getting up to date with each other before going right into our topic of the day, which is the Tokyo Vice review by HBO Max, which you could fast forward to if you like. You can just look at the timestamps located down below. Otherwise, just keep on watching slash listening. And before we actually get any further, make sure to click on that subscribe button. Maybe slap that notification bell. That way you will not <laughs> Miss a single, solitary episode of Joygasm that drops once a week. Steve, welcome back to the Joygasm studio. This week has actually gone by very quickly in my estimation. It has. It has, Russ. um, It's gone by real quick. It has. Indeed. And last week went by real real fast as well. Pretty quickity quick. We didn't have Big Baby Moose on the show, though, Russ. We did not. I think you announced, actually, last show that it might happen. I think you said might. I think you said might. It was a resounding... Could be. Maybe. And then it wasn't to be. It was not meant to be, unfortunately. Uh, Now, what was fortunate was that he and his beautiful family came to visit for the first time... At Mikasa, mm. and it was fantastic. We got to play lots of video games. Yes. Got to show them the area. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of fun things. Watch Lord of the Rings, Always which a good show. I have not seen Lord of the Rings, mm. ex- especially the extended edition. Uh, my goodness, I would say fifteen years it's or so. Been a minute. It's been a long time, yeah. Russ, have you even seen The Hobbit, though? Yeah, I've seen The Hobbit. Are you sure about that, Russ? Yeah, I saw it in the theater. I saw, um, oh, well, just once, just once. Aha. Now, did they do an extended edition of The Hobbit as well? So you haven't seen the whole thing. Well, no, like I've seen the theatrical releases, but apparently it sounds as though there is also a, you know, again, okay, let me let me ask you as a <sighs> Tolkien fan, Steve. Did you feel as though it was necessary to have an extended edition of The Hobbit? Well, that depends. that's yet to be seen, because I haven't seen the extended version of it, Russ. I've seen all oh. of the movies, but I've, I want to purchase the extended version. I want it in 4K, which they have it out. The movie was filmed in 5K. Oh. And so if you get it in you you're actually kind of getting right up to where the uh, old standards are, Russ. Well, and wait, I, yeah, okay, go ahead. So yeah, you you, sure. you I'm, I'm don't have so. this yet in your possession? No, I have the uh, the ten eighty p, the ten eighty. Color me surprised. Yeah, well, it wasn't out forever. It just only came out like last, not not this last Christmas, but the Christmas I think before. So two years ago, about two years ago, oh. it came out. Well, you know, for me personally, though, I have not been as much of a fan of the Hobbit trilogy as opposed to the Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, one of the best trilogies of all time, hands down. The Hobbit, I felt like the movie studio execs got a little too involved and they unnecessarily extended out what normally is not that big of a book, comparatively speaking. It's not that big of a book, but there's... There's a lot that happens in the book. Oh, sure. I mean, it would be it would be a very quick and kind of chopped up story if they all put it into one movie. Oh. So they had to... And in Hollywood, it's like you have to make a trilogy. You can't just make a, a doubly. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be two movies. It's going to be a double. A <laughs> uh, <one. laughs> twofer. <laughs> That's not going to happen to us. Uh-huh. It's not going to happen. Uh-huh. So they had to figure out how to make three movies instead of two per Hollywood standards. And so they had to put a little fluff in there. How do we separate that money from the viewer's pocket one more time? Yeah, but it's pretty good, right? Oh, I'm glad you like it, Steve. Uh, you got to come over and watch it. Well, I thought you said you don't have it. I know. but you still should come over and watch the whole movie. The whole uh-oh. the whole movie, right? Like all three movies. You should just come over oh. and watch. It. Oh, for like, uh, for like a, 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 like a whole nonstop go through on. all three of them. Yeah. What is that? Like six hours or is yeah, it, come on. Or is it maybe like nine hours? Yeah. It's probably more than six. Cause I mean, isn't each movie like three hours yeah, or close to that? Pretty long. Yeah. I don't think it's as long as like the Lord of the Rings movies, but yeah, they up there, Russ. I'd be happy to come over and check it out. It has been quite some time since I saw it in the movie theater. I was planning on, like, just cranking up the volume with you and uh, Big Baby Moose. Mm. Circumstances didn't uh, prove favorable when they were visiting, but uh, it is still an enticing thought. Yes. Ross? It is indeed. I will take you up on that for sure. Yeah, you're just trying to tickle me. You know... I am a fan of the behind-the-scenes footage from The Hobbit, specifically oh, yeah, the Benedict Cumberbatch ah, yeah. performance of um, the dragon. I can't remember the name of the yeah, dragon. It's the top My head, same. too. I'm sorry. Smaug. Smaug. I was going to say Smoggle. But Smaug. I knew that wasn't it. <laughs> the Terrible. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, what else is uh, going on with you, Steve? Well... Uh, as you already know, I, uh, I did beat the uh, the Ring of Eldon. Congratulations, good sir. And the ending was about what i would I thought it would be. Now, you know, there are something like six endings I know that. <laughs> 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 So I'm making my way through it again. Oh. But I'm not gonna do everything that I did before Russ. I mean, there's no there's no point. Steve, I don't think you did everything the first time around either. Well, not everything. No, but like I, there's no point in going through all the catacombs to find like a trinket all over again because I have all this stuff. I like trinkets. Yeah, but like more of the same trinket? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Much. Two for one. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so it, not to mention, so I'm going through New Game Plus uh-huh. as the same character. I just like took all my gear Kept driving forward as well. You should, and I got some flack from uh, some friends for not starting over into a new class. But you know what? I could see where their their point is, but I'm not about to go through all the frustration again of dying repeatedly. I wish the game kept track of how many times you died. I do too. I wish that I, I was kind of secretly hoping that maybe after like the the end credits, it'll it'll come up and says you died. Five thousand two hundred and sixty three right. times, or give me, whatever. Give me some stats or something, right? Um, and so, and not to mention, I don't want to have to. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go through farming all over again either, because that took a lot of time. To like, okay, I gotta get stronger. I know I'm respecting <laughs> my character, but I gotta get stronger. You know, I only. I want to get back into it at the level I'm at. Continue getting strong. Work on some other attributes that I haven't built up. And then just lay a can of whoop-ass on everybody who has given me trouble the first go around, Russ. And so far, I have... I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that approach. I, uh-huh. I do think, though, that you what should you at least, uh, you know, whether you What's wait until the end of this New Game Plus adventure not or yet? beforehand, I don't know. That's not that, But you should actually build Mm. a new class because i think you're going to be doing yourself a disservice by not actually experiencing what some of these other classes are proficient in but the well the thing is that i think the levels you go up to only like are 99 so like if you're building on like strength for example you can't just be like ah 5,000. it's not gonna work you only get to like level 99 on that attribute and then you have to focus on something else Sure. so eventually you will learn all the attributes and then you'll have everything at your beck and call and you do everything. Yeah. Yeah. but I feel like that's kind of a cheap experience because like, like you could do that if you wanted to, but I mean, first of all, it's going to take you forever to get up to that because now that you've taken all your stuff from your previous game, I imagine that it doesn't reset the rune count of what you need to level. Does it? No. So, like, you're probably needing something like 300,000-plus runes to level up. Yeah. Like, that's going to get kind of old after a while, you know. You just pick your poison, right <laughs> I mean, you're already strong, and so you might as well build on to what you already have to get what you already want, versus start completely over naked and yeah. afraid with a loincloth. <laughs> Don't hurt me, anybody. You know, I'm running away from people versus like charging on. i ah, gonna slaughter you all. They all just like just scurry like ant. Well, they don't do that. Well, but like but, arguably, though, you've been enjoying that for like the last you know 25 percent of the game, where like you were able to go. You could totally revisit like the entire map and basically lay waste to your heart's I desire, could, but. I've already discovered everything, like basically all the locations in the map. So when you start over new game plus, like all your save spots are gone. Yeah. The map is still all revealed, but you still have to get to certain places and defeat different bosses and whatever, whatnot. Mm-hmm. And the enemies are stronger too. So I don't know about twice as strong. I'm thinking they're twice as strong. They give you about twice in the runes. But and I think they would have to because anyone starting new game plus and continue where they left off. I mean, yeah, they're gonna have to this huge count that they have they have to attain in order to level up and how you're going to get, there. I mean, I've, I've defeated at least three bosses so far and Ooh. I still haven't, I haven't been able to level up once. Right. So it's not a huge amount that they give you, but uh, I mean, so yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for, for both ways. You can start over and it's going to be a haul, but the challenge will still be there. You're have a new class. You can respec, or you can just continue where you left off and, build up other attributes and... I will say, though, and I think this... You're talking cheap. So you get to a certain point where you're, you're leveling up a certain attribute. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I'll go to, this, like, strength. And then you'll go, okay, well, I want to increase strength beyond level 60. Sure. Well, sometimes it gives you a point up and sometimes it doesn't. You're like, oh. So I can I've can't, heard about this. I think that's a bunch of BS. I'm like, okay, so, okay, I've worked and I farmed and I'm ready to level up. And they're like, oh cool. Thanks. You get nothing. Or maybe it's like half a point, but they don't because it's half a point, they don't show you that. So you have to go back out and farm again. Or or just focus on a different attribute. Yeah, I think they have some kind of soft cap that they have put into That's the game. Dumb. Well, I don't know. I think it's by design. I think that like even for myself who, you know, I, I haven't beaten the game yet. I'm getting toward the end game, I assume, but I still have a ways to go and I have reached a point where I've become really powerful. I mean, like, like I'm not nearly as weak as when I first started playing the game. I'm very proficient in what I'm doing. And I know for a fact I'm going to be able to continue going down this road. Like for instance, my confessor, I've been dumping most of my, my level points into either faith or vigor. My strength is only, I think, at like 20. But the point is, is that like my faith, which is one of the big driving forces of my particular character class, it's at a point where since I have it up to 50, I mean, I'm really laying waste. I still can go another 10 levels before it soft caps. And then on top of that, if I wanted to keep going beyond that, they actually say, okay, because I mean, you know, normally like there's just like a cap, like, you know, around 50, 60, whatever. But they then allow you to go an additional like 49 levels beyond that to the point where it's just like, I don't know. I, I think it almost becomes comical because to be that strong and walking around the map, there's just, there's really no more challenge whatsoever. And at that point, like, what's the point? Well, I, I see it differently because I, I see it as okay. So why even put a, a soft cap there? Like if you want to get stronger, then and and the, the game allows you to get stronger, then why why hold you back? It's like it's like if you go to the gym because you want to bulk up, and then creation just says, yeah, we'll will bulk you up a little bit, but then we're just gonna we're just gonna stop you bulking up. It's like okay, well wait a minute. Like 'm I'm, I'm lifting weights i'm eating protein like i'm I'm watching my i'm doing all the right things and creation. yeah that's it <laughs> sorry you're gonna you're like well that guy has more yeah he has more not you though like well that sucks like why would it you know so to me it, it doesn't make much sense because I already went through the challenge of dying a lot in the game to get where I'm at now yeah. so why put a cap on it and versus still allowing me to level up but just not as much i don't know to me that just doesn't make any sense To use your analogy, Steve, of the bodybuilder, every bodybuilder, Steve, that has ever lived reaches a soft cap. Sure. They are able to bulk up to a certain point, and then after that, no matter what they do, they are able to steadily kind of, you know, marginally improve themselves, but it's not at the same rate as it once was, and it takes a whole lot more effort just to get a little more to it. So in actuality, I think they've got the old system down real good. I would say everyone has their max depending on their body type. Oh. So like, if, if I want to be Arnold Schwarzenegger, there's no way I'm going to be Arnold because I don't have the height and I don't have the body mass. So like, I'm 5'7". There's no way I'm going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. So no matter what I do... How tall is Arnold Schwarzenegger? Ask Siri. I don't, I don't think he's that no. tall. You might be taller than Arnold Schwarzenegger, I Steve. am not. Dude, look at him in the movie. He was a freaking Terminator. I'm telling you, Steve, Yeah, he was walking on phone books is what he was. The magic <laughs> of camera angles. I'm telling you, I don't think he's that tall. Like, look him up. <sighs> go ahead. <sighs> go ahead. I, I would be curious to see How this. How tall is Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> he's 6'2". <laughs> What Siri said. Let me see it. I don't know about that. Mm. Should say. I Google it, Russ? Why don't you Google it, Steve? Not Google Siri it. Siri might be a little drunk tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Siri was uh, sipping a little too many mai tais. <laughs> How tall? Because I remember reading something or watching an interview or something like that where. I was shocked because I thought he was like super tall and actually he's not that tall. He's not short either, but he's not—he's just not as tall as I thought he was. 6'2". Well, color me corrected. So like, so yeah, if I want to be Arnold Schwarzenegger, there's no way I'm going to have the bone mass. There's mm. no way I'm going to have the body type. There's no way I'm going to have the height. I've, I will never be Arnold Schwarzenegger, but my body does have a cap to where like, I'm not going to be able to function at a certain point. Like my arm's just going to be so big and be like, I can't, I can't even get my arm up to here because my muscles, like, you know, <laughs> you got muscles that are like making your neck disappear. You're just like, ah. <laughs> but it, you know, regardless if you do like calisthenics or you do just weightlifting or you do, what is that? Uh, what's that thing they do that that's, um, I forgot what it's called. The guys like all oh, they they, they try and, uh, I forgot what it's called anyway no matter <laughs> no matter how hard you you like if you put the Jazz time in, <laughs> <laughs> i'm just i'm taking uh, a shot in the dark over here man um no matter so what you practice on you will get the results you put in the time you put in the effort yeah. you get the results yeah so that principle applied to the game is not quite accurate because you go, okay, well, yeah, we'll cap you off so then you could still put in the same amount of time. You can still put in the same amount of effort, but the results aren't going to be the same. Which to me just doesn't make any sense. Like if I, they have enemies in there that can one-shot you mm-hmm. easily. Yeah. And so like, okay, so why can't, if I put in the time and the effort and dying everywhere, and leveling up, which takes days, if not weeks, to get to. Why can't I do that? That would give me enjoyment in the game. It sounds to me like you just want to be the master of the universe, Steve. That's what right, I do. I want to be Elden Lord, Ross. Mm. Uh, technically, you are, though, because you beat the game, right? Yes. Mm. But it doesn't quite feel that way. Power has consumed you, has it? <laughs> I'm hungry for more. Uh, so w- in terms of the ending that you chose, I assume mm. you had certain options, like certain choices you had to make, and that would kind of determine what kind of ending that you received. Mm. Choices you make during the game. Russ. Not exactly toward at the end, but choices you made during the game. Okay, we'll give you, we'll lead you up towards a ending. Oh, no. Yeah. For some reason, I thought that it was like, you have to do certain things over the course of the game, hmm. but then <sighs> a little fuzzy kind of coming up to say hello. Gross. Uh, but then I, I thought that when once you got to like choice making time, that then there would be like, you know, some kind of like, do you want to do this or do you want to do that? No, it's certain... Well, so you can choose to do certain quests or not to choose certain quests or choose to fulfill those quests or or not. But what you choose with those quests, to my knowledge, will get you towards one out of like six endings. This is making me wonder if maybe you didn't do all those things that would give you different ending possibilities. I'm sure there was stuff I didn't do. Because if that's the case, Steve... You've got a lot more to enjoy. Well, one of my main complaints was that I had no direction in the game. (laughs) And that was all the way up until the end. I just kind of figured out, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. And I'm kind of wandering around like, oh, there's something over here. There's something over here. I keep dying over over this spot. So let's go someplace else where I don't die as much. Um, But since there was no direction, I'm sure there was stuff that I missed. But since I still don't know what that is, I'm still wandering around aimless. Mm how am I going to discover that without actually like reading or uh, what is it? Um, Reddit? Reddit. Ooh. Redditing. Redditing. Ooh. Read it on Reddit. Or doing? YouTubing it or Googling it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not obvious. Like, oh, you're supposed to go here and talk to this person. Speaking of, by the way, I have recently made an epiphany about this mm. very thing. I was talking to Nick actually a bit about this too once I had this mm. epiphany. And that is, the uh, just about every NPC that I have come across, or you have come across, mm. or you have come across, mm. they actually you know, like. Well, every time I I met one of them, I just figured, oh, they're just kind of littered throughout the world. They're there to like kind of break up the, you know, the, the playthrough and that sort of thing. But I didn't really think anything of them beyond that. And suddenly, I realized hey, you know what? I think just about all of these NPCs actually have their own side quest. They have their own quest that if you further it along with them, that like their story will then begin to play out and they'll actually migrate throughout the world just like you do. And sure enough... I've seen various NPCs that like once were in like the round table hold and then all of a sudden they're you know sprinkled throughout uh, doing different things and you talk to them and then you realize they have their own motivations, they have their own things they're trying to do uh, or accomplish or whatever and it's like, "Oh wow, okay, now this is starting to feel much more like a lived-in world as at least in terms of having other types of personalities that are not enemy classes." So that was something that I was like, wow, okay, well, that's really interesting. Not only do they have side quests, but these side quests will give some kind of incentive. So like, if you're able to complete one of those side quests, you could get some kind of rare item or it'll actually further like the, you know, your own journey in a certain way, like kind of what we were talking about with regards to the endings and stuff. And so now it's like, wow, okay, now I, I'm kind of returning to certain people who like, you know, I initially said hi to and then just left them there. And now I'm talking to them more. And of course, some of the the other missions that I've I've accomplished have also just auto-progressed their narrative. Have you noticed that uh, during your, your experience? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, there was... Um, <laughs> why is that not... 100% I, convincing. Like I like for example there is uh, the girl who does the spirit tuning. Like you see her towards the beginning of the game, right. you're going to Stormville Castle, you meet her in a shack. Yes. And uh, then she's in the round table holding and she gives you you does some spirit tuning and whatnot. Correct. Um so I mean her quest will will, will play out. You just basically t- you know talk to a bunch of people and that's really about it. Um other people in the round table hold you just do a couple of things and and as i've seen a couple people sprinkle up here and there but ultimately it does it does not feel like the story changed or was altered all that much i mean there were some folks in there who were like you could tell they were just really significant but like for example the guy you see in the beginning who's like You're made in this. How do you expect to get anywhere? Oh, the, are you talking about the guy with like the, the like kind of silver metal face mask? Like he's, he kind of welcomes you into sure. uh, a yeah. limb grave or whatever. Like he's staying there when you get out of the tomb. Yeah. yeah. So he pops up every once in a while. He he's like, okay, I'm just done now. I'm like, okay, you didn't do anything for me. Like you didn't have, you know, or like the girl in the beginning. Well, not tw- like towards the beginning, but towards the South when you're going yes. towards the peninsula. Like, Hers ends relatively quick. It does. It does. Very so, tragic indeed. Anyhow, so there's some of them that, that do, and there's some of them that that don't. Like, for mm-hmm. example, we were talking to, to, to Nick the other night. He was like, oh, I, 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 I have to go talk to this one chick. And I began that quest... But I think because I had progressed so far else in the story that I had missed the rest of the of the quest. And he was like, oh, yeah, she pops up here and there and everywhere. I'm like, she does? Where? Yeah. Because all I did was I go, okay, I've cured you. And she's like, okay, I'm going to go on my journey. See you later. <laughs> and that <laughs> I, was I know, it. I know the scene you're talking about, yeah. Um, And so... Again, that that goes back to like, yeah, they give you free reign on the game, but since I have no direction, like, oh, you missed this quest? Oh, you missed that quest? Oh, you're missing a lot? Like, I'm wandering around figuring everything out. I have no... I mean, anyway. Yeah, I think it's more about the happenstance of being in an open world and stumbling upon these characters as you go about. And I think that that's, that's also you know, speaking to the replayability of the game itself where, yeah, once you beat the game, you could start a new class and, you know, another romp through all of a sudden you, you bump into somebody who maybe you only saw once, or maybe you didn't see them at all. Like I know Nick also was talking one time about how there is this one particular individual that's in the swamp and I can't remember his name off top of my head, but, um, I had, um, I had met, I had seen the the the, that blonde-haired woman who was from Volcano Manor. She's kind of stooped over. She was in the swamp. That was the first time I saw her, and she was like, "Oh, this person took my belongings." And I'm like, "Oh, that's weird." And so I was trying to find where this guy was. And Nick was talking about how he actually, um, at the time, he didn't really like pay any kind of heed to that. Or, or actually, maybe he didn't even. I don't. You know what? I don't think he even came across that blonde woman. He just kind of kept going forward and that sort of thing. And so he ended up missing out on the opportunity to activate that particular little engagement. Turns out this guy that's in the swamp, um, sells like this, the shrimp or something that you can buy as many times as you want. And apparently it gives you like really good strength, like temporary, like temporary, uh, physical strength or whatever that you can pop before you get into a battle and and can really help you out. So he wasn't able to actually go through that experience. He did find where the guy was, but he was too far along with like, I don't know if it was Volcano Manor or something, something something within the overarching story had transpired based on his play experience. And so that door was shut to him in terms of being able to like forge that relationship and like be able to buy the shrimp. And so he ended up killing him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, he didn't at first. I will. I will give you know a little more detail on that. But like uh, this guy's personality is rather hard to deal with. He's kind of a yeah difficult personality type, and Nick just got he just lost patience with him and took him out. <laughs> so there was a there was a spot. I mean, I knew I was at the end of the game, and I'm like, uh, and I knew I had to farm. Some more. Again, to even like beat the last guy. Put on your blue overalls. Ugh. And so anyway, I'm wandering around looking for foes to fell. And <laughs> I make it to this one spot where it looks like the, there's a big statue of a woman. And she's just kind of leaning on like the rubble of the church. But she's like large, the size of a statue. Yeah, yeah. And it says a name there. And I'm like, this looks really significant. Like I should know something. And so since I'm at the end of the game, I'm like, I can't, everything's done that it's going to allow me to do right now. Everything's been, the story's altered. It's done. Yeah. So I looked it up and it's like, okay, yeah, if you found this person, I think in Limgrave, like she has a quest, she goes with you, kind of like this other little chick who gives you Torrent and she eventually becomes a summon that you can, or like an ash of war, something that you can use and she'll help you fight. Are you talking about the archer? I think she is an archer. Yeah. There, there is one that I have found. Um, and she's, you know, I have her as an Ash. I've actually not tried her out yet. Um, but the whole premise is that she's going with you on your journey because she's trying to make it somewhere up in like the forbidden lands or something like that. And then, you know, I'm assuming I I drop her off somewhere or whatever, but so you didn't find her. Is that what you're saying? I didn't find her, no. So what What I did was I, so I YouTubed. I'm like, what, what is the significance? I mean, I can't go. So it says, oh, you got to find her in this one spot. So I go, oh, I'm going to go back and see if I can do it. And I go back and it's like, okay, here's the Ash of War. Like she's gone. She's not even there anymore. Oh, wow. So um, I'm like, well, at least I got something for it. But yeah, she's not present. Well, that's weird because, okay, so to give you some I don't know if you care if I say this or not, but... Sure, Russ. Essentially, like, you you will see her at that location, and then what she does is she turns herself into an ash of war so that you could take her with you, but the idea being it's not just, like, she's going to be with you from now on. It's, like, she wants you to take her to this, like, location up north or whatever, and so... I haven't gotten to that location yet, but I assume that yeah. once that happens, then maybe she'll rematerialize and thank me and be on her way or whatever. But anyway, it's about to, it's. It's all I'm really aware of. <sighs> with that one in, in particular. But there, I mean, dude, there are a number of NPCs in there that, like, right now but after I had that epiphany, I'm la- I have like four or five of them that I'm like continuing down the quest. I'm like, there's all kinds of things that are going on, like, like even the. You know that woman that always is giving out free hugs at the round table hole. Yeah, the deathbed chick. That is, me- I don't know if like if you got farther in that or not. That is messed up. Like that whole thing too. I'm just like, my goodness, like this this land is awful. Yeah. <laughs> There's like, like I always kind of viewed her as like kind of one of the very few NPCs within the world of Elden Ring where it's like, hey, you know, if you're feeling downtrodden and you know you're you're just getting destroyed left and right, come over here, have a hug. Yeah. And, like, and then you progress that storyline, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, no, don't touch me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Russ, I've come to some conclusions. I'd talk to you about it if you were done with the game, but mm. uh, we got to hold off on that. But I do. Hopefully, it won't be too much long before I'm able to beat the game, Steve. Yeah. I, I've still got a ways to go. Um, were you satisfied with the ending that you got? No. Well, oh. I mean, basically not. I mean, I, are I'm, you ever satisfied, Steve? Yes, oh. I am. Hmm. But in talking with other people like that, I apparently got the good ending. Oh, so I don't know if good just means that I did the right thing uh-huh. or good means like what you saw is as best as it's going to get. <laughs> you know, like, man. So uh, we shall we shall see. Well, that is quite interesting, too, because, you know, if, if that is anything to go off of, I mean, it sounds like, well, and again, I don't know what they, what all the endings in, you know entail, but like, if you got the good ending, does that mean all the rest of them are just bad endings or are <laughs> they just serving certain types of interests and purposes? Yeah. Don't know, Russ. That's all right, Steve. We'll find out soon enough. extra, extra, read all about it, it's time for the topic of the day. Our topic of the day is the... Tokyo Vice TV series put on by, we believe, HBO Max, if we're not mistaken. It is HBO Max. It it? is HBO Max. (sighs) This particular TV show came out earlier this year. Yes. And it was a, I mean, in my opinion, I thought it was a, a very entertaining show, a very different show, very unique show. I don't think it had a terrible amount of, press and no. marketing and stuff. You know, it was kind of one of those shows that it, it had a little bit of marketing buzz around it and then they released it. And um I've got to say like like uh after watching season 1, I'm really hoping that they're going to have a season 2. What do you what do you think, Steve? Well, Russ, they uh they are going to have a season 2, Russ. It was Greenland in June last month. So you're really? in luck there. Well, that Charlie. makes me happy. <laughs> that makes me very happy. Very cool. But, um, yeah, I, don't, I think it was just because there wasn't like an... A, it wasn't a blockbuster kind of show. Not a lot of explosions. Not a lot of politics. Not a lot... Well, it's Japanese politics. But um, mm-hmm. anyway, not a lot of what people are watching nowadays. This is very different. And... Uh, oh, sorry. In my opinion, it's a very good different. But it, it... Yeah, I don't know why it didn't get a whole lot of press. Mm. But but I, yeah. I got something in my teeth. <laughs> <But> I, <laughs> oh. um, no, I thought all the actors just did a uh, great job. I mean, everybody on screen was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. Excellent. Indeed. I was going to say that the the show kind of reminded me a little bit of Game of Thrones in the sense that you have these different Yakuza clans that are all vying for power. They all are very much intertwined with each other. It's like they're all networked, but at the same time have their own interests and motives and that sort of thing. So that was kind of one of the, you know, it wasn't like a hundred percent game of Thrones, but I, I started to really kind of make a comparison toward the end of the, the, the first season there. Ken Watanabe, is always a pleasure to watch the man. Yes. Um, he was great as the, uh, the the detective in the show and you know, a lot of the, the, the newcomers, so to speak within this show that I I just didn't recognize who they were, but I found myself just believing in the story that much more be simply because they were unrecognized, not unrecognized. They just weren't recognizable to me. Um, from previous TV shows or movies that I've watched. And that was great because I just I totally bought in to their performances as these different folks. And on top of that, too, what I think is nice is that they have actually based this show off of a real story that took place where we had yep. an American that was very interested in Japanese culture, the, the country of Japan, and he wanted to go over there and try and get a job, which he did. Apparently, he was, like, the very first foreigner to actually get a job at this very distinguished newspaper company that that exists over there. Apparently, this, like, newspaper company is, like, the Japanese New York Times. Yeah. Or bigger. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, like, the newspaper a lot of people read. Almost everybody reads in Japan. Yeah, it's, like, the cream of the crop. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I haven't done enough research in terms of, okay, so what parts of the show are very 100% accurate to what really transpired during that time versus, okay, how much creative license did the, the show creators take? So that kind of remains to be seen for myself. But I think what is more or less accurate is that this took place, I want to say, in the 90s. Yes, And it was just really fascinating to be able to see this person really just embrace the Japanese culture, the Japanese way of life. You know, he, he learned how to speak the language fluently. He learned how to write the language fluently. He really enjoyed going to like, you know, the, uh, the local karate class, um, be able to enjoy like the, the Japanese cuisine, you know, eating sushi and whatnot. It was just, he just really yeah. loves <laughs> the, the entire culture. Talk about embracing the culture too. He just like go there and live. Like he just, he was reading the, like the Magna or Magna, I don't even know if I'm saying it right, manga. but he, Manga, uh, you know, yeah, he ate Japanese, he, dressed, he didn't necessarily dress Japanese, but I mean, he talked Japanese, he walked on the streets, like he wasn't driving any cars. He was either riding a bicycle. Yeah. Uh, mannerisms were very Japanese. Mannerisms were very Japanese, yeah. I Customs mean, he, and whatnot, woo, yeah. For sure. Yeah, no, it, it was it was really refreshing. Another aspect of the show that I thought was unique was how much the show was actually spoken in Japanese. I mean, I want to say, if I had to guess, 60% at uh-huh. least, it, maybe yeah. 70% of the show was yeah. in Japanese, and right. then the remaining, you know, 30 to 40% of the show was English, but... That was super cool. I really liked having like the the subtitles yeah. down below. Again, it just helped to immerse me as a viewer into the the country of Japan and just everything that that, that you know they uh, they contain and, and, and offer as an experience. So that was super cool. I'm also wondering though if that's why it wasn't as popular as it was because you know you see the trailer and of course the trailer is a collection of scenes from the show, but. It's all in Japanese, and so it almost seems like you're going to watch a foreign film or a foreign show, sure. anyway. And you're not. I mean, you are, but you're not. It's like it's 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 made with the help of Japanese, you know, TV stations, but made you know through um, through HBO mm-hmm. and. But when I saw it for the first time, or that that trailer, I thought, "I mean, I am I going to be watching the whole thing in Japanese? Like, am I going to be watching a movie and just constantly reading text down here when I should just be watching it, you know, straight?" Pretty uh, soon, like we'll we'll both be speaking fluent Japanese by the end of the season. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, You're like, Um, Anyway, so uh, (laughs) so that's what I thought in the very beginning, and then. I mean just like playing, you know, a game when there's subtitle, you know, text and sure. it just yeah, immerses yeah. you. Know, I was I I loved when they were speaking Japanese. You know what was cool though is the relationship between Jake and his fellow reporters who got hired simultaneously yeah. when he did. And I thought, you know, it, it, it's 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 kind of obvious when you think about it like, you know, we're all going to have like this camaraderie. We're all going to find similarities with each other, right? But I mean, the the langu- the, the 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 barrier is language. Yeah. Uh, but Jake didn't have that because he could speak fluent Japanese. They ha- they could speak quite well English. Yeah, um, better than me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I mean, straight away, uh, even though an ocean divided them, they were like totally cool. You know, homies. They were uh, having a great time and they were laughing and and yeah. uh, loyal to each other. And I just thought that all that camaraderie with them, the three of them on screen, was really cool. Yeah, I did too. I really liked the camaraderie as well. I thought that was very believable. And I also just, you know, I, I liked the other types of relationships that started to build up, like with um, Jake's boss, for instance. You know, there was a very standoffish type of, of dynamic that was going on. But then over time, the very thing that was causing them to butt heads actually became like the thing that that brought them closer together and bonded professionally to be able to get to the bottom of things. And that leads me also to like another theme within the show that I find so fascinating, which is that the American press has a a different way that they conduct themselves and go after stories as opposed to what we saw in this show where they were showing and depicting how the Japanese press gets their stories. You know, in, in certain instances, You'll see how like they they are all in like a a conference room, and like the police chief or you know some sort of person who works in the police department will give a briefing as to like what the latest types of um, cases or events that have transpired um, have happened. Yeah, briefing sort of thing. Yeah, but what's interesting though is that like there was no one who really questioned. Right. What was being told to them? They right. were literally just taking down notes, and then they were going to take those notes and print them in the newspaper, which is very different than how in the Western world we, you know, we are very used to and accustomed to seeing journalists ask all kinds of of questions. And so I thought that was really neat to watch how the the character Jake was kind of struggling with that a bit, you know, where there were multiple instances of him almost losing his job because he's kind of relying more on like his upbringing as a Western journalist. And at the same time, that benefits kind of the, the, the main kind of uh story that he's, he's pursuing. Right. Well, true. But I, I think it's also um, so in, in the culture, like you pretty much don't ask questions. Yeah. Don't ask questions to people of authority. It's disrespectful. It's disrespectful. Um, but He's the press, and he's under the, the, the impression, which the I man does his job, to let the public know of what the truth is. Right. And so he has to get the truth by asking questions. But you don't ask the police chief questions. He tells you whatever he wants to tell you. Um, but, but it's also like the press and the police working with the Yakuza to keep the peace. Mm -hmm. So like they have underlying stuff that happens. Okay. Like we'll, we'll fight among factions and not hurt a lot of innocent people. Um, and the crossfire and we'll leave the police out of it. We'll respect you. Maybe toss you some cash and the same thing with the press. Like, okay, you can control the press and the press won't ask questions. So everybody will toss them a small story every once in a while. And everybody's happy. And, you know, and then meanwhile, wherever Jake goes, he's looking for a story. He has no family or friends out there. And so he's looking for the all the time, searching for truth, trying to develop other relationships and or sources. And he's just looking at a, you know, dead body here, uh, bribery here, you know, um, corruption there. And he's just getting stop signs all over the place. you can't say that. You can't say that. You can't show. He's like, why can't I? This is like, if I'm over there back home, this would be all over the place. Right. And I, you're telling me I can't talk about why? What, what, what's my job here if I can't talk about it, you know? Mm. I think they were like, okay, talk, write about this person who's stealing women's underwear, something like that. He's <laughs> like, <laughs> I forgot what? about that. That was so funny. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was um, just a, a, a neat look at, at just the the differences between the two. And, and I don't really know if that's still the case today or not. I, I have no idea. But Um, I did also find it really fascinating like what you alluded to with regards to the relationship between the police department and Yakuza where, again, I don't know how accurate this is in terms of real life versus what they did just for cinematic purposes, but it was really fascinating to like see the the interesting relationship that Ken Watanabe's character had as a detective where it's like he knew... The, the heads of these uh, Yakuza clans and it, you know, the, the interactions were really interesting to watch because his whole stance was he wants to keep the peace that he doesn't want to see blood in the streets and that sort of thing. And, and, you know, cause then he'll have to get involved and he doesn't want to get involved. Like, like there's kind of like, he, he would rather just kind of have more of a, uh, a passive type of, of, role, but if he's forced to go in, then he'll have to do so. And he won't look forward to that. And it's almost like the, um, the Yakuza bosses are also like, you know, they know who he is, but there's, I don't know, like, like, I think one of the things I'm thinking about is how it's so different. Like if you were to have say crime bosses in, uh, America and you have the police, Talking to them, I feel like the like the discourse would be way different, where like there would be a whole lot more like disrespect going on. There'd be way more kind of uh gruff coercion or whatever. You didn't really see that in at least in this first season. It was very much like, you know, there was a respect that was kind of uh, reciprocated back and forth, like an uneasy respect. But it was interesting how it was like the detective knew all the players he knew kind of, or was familiar with like all their dark, deep secrets and that sort of thing. But yet they knew like who he was and like where he lived and everything else. And so it was like this weird thing where it's like, let's just keep the peace. Let's keep things as they are because we don't want things to get complicated and out of hand. Yeah. I think it was um, more so, I mean, he had the confidence uh just to walk up and look the line in the face Yeah, and say, If you put your paws on me, you're going to have the entire police force come shut you down. And we're taking a lot of you with us. Yeah. You have guns and swords. We have guns and bigger guns. And there's more of us than there are of you. Yeah, And um, yes, I'm one player. And if you take me out, then I'm out. But then like your whole operation's down too. Yeah. You know it and I know it. And, and so, because he had like the stones or the plums or whatever you want to call it the balls to go look the line in the eye, nice, bluish hue, <laughs> dancing off the sunlight, real nice. <laughs> what in the world did you get that? <laughs> oh, oh gosh! Broadsided, I don't even know. Oh, I was I was going going bite it. into him, let the juices fall oh, down. Oh my, my gosh! <laughs> I. Am for words, <laughs> um, so I think they that that was respectful because I mean, if you're like the guy in the club, like, okay, these you got a group of dudes, um, like the guy in the club, <laughs> the random person I'm talking about, you know who that yeah, is. Yeah. Um, it was the person, it was Jake's friend from college that somehow they found each other in yes, freaking Tokyo and they went out, which and, happens. I mean, like, sure, there are people who all of a sudden you'll bump into somebody, you uh, know, and you're course. like, what are the odds of that? Yeah, but then like. You know they got into this you know this little scuffle and they didn't have of course anything to defend themselves and rarely does anybody ever have carrying stuff that they're going to defend themselves but the yakuza does of course and so um, they could do nothing to defend themselves and so is the regular populace right so everybody fears the yakuza because they're always going to carry there's always going to be packing they know how to fight they're going to be carrying knives swords guns whatever and the, the the innocent public's carrying nothing yeah. Um, so there's always that fear. But uh, wantanabi did I say his name right? hmm Yes. Of course, he's packing and he's got the police department. Yeah, and, and actually that particular sequence that you're talking about uh, was one of my favorite moments in the entire show because, again, it shows a bit of a difference in culture where, if you recall his friend didn't know that those guys were Yakuza. They, you know, as far as far as he knew, like these were just random people who were like trying to like take the girl that Jake was enjoying having drinks with. And so, you know, as a friend does, he stands up for his buddy. Sure. But what I thought was really cool was how it gets to the point where like, you know, the, the Yakuza thugs grab his friend. They hold a knife up to like his face. And what Jake repeatedly tells them in Japanese is, he doesn't know. Yeah, he doesn't know. Right. He, he Like, he apologizes. He, he just doesn't know. Which I thought was an interesting choice of words. And, again, I'm comparing it to, like, okay, if that same scenario were to play out in America, the thugs would care less. Like, they would just right. rough the guy up. They would hurt him. Maybe even kill him. You never know. But, again, it, I did find it interesting how in that moment – he was able to get through to the yakuza folks about like, hey, like, he he doesn't know your your yakuza. He doesn't know like the customs and traditions or whatever. He's you know, like, there was so much that was said with the, just those few words, and you know they they still kind of messed with him. I think they kind of cut his cheek or something as yeah. like just a warning kind of thing. But I mean, they could have done a lot more damage sure. if they wanted to. I just I, again, I love just the comparison, like like I find myself watching and seeing like, okay, what would our culture do in, in these same type of scenarios versus what at least they're depicting in the show. And again, we don't really truly know what would have happened in real life with that. That may have been just more kind of like a Hollywood moment. We have no idea, but I still thought it was compelling. Um, but I think... I'll, transcending from that. Um, Transitioning, you mean, Transcending Steve? the stars, transcending Russ. Transcending means that you are going above and beyond. Like it's, it's more important than... I think, I think what you mean is sorcery. Transition, stealing your... Do a little wipe transition. Mm. Yeah, that's no. transition. Going from one place to the other, Russ. Yeah, but bridging the link. Transition, Steve. Anyway. So, one of the words that was used throughout the show was gaijin. Oh. Which I never thought I'd hear that word again after watching... Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift. Oh. But it was said quite often in this show. And what does it mean in English, Steve? It means foreigner, Russ. Um, I don't think it means white foreigner, but it means foreigner. And the way they said it was like, you know nothing of us and our culture and our way of doing things and whatever. So, like... It's not the band foreigner from the 80s, see? You know, it probably is, Russ. Uh, foreigner in Japanese... Is Gaijin, but the name of the band. So yeah, foreigner writes Gaijin on their albums they sell in Japan. Uh-huh. Used to sell in Japan, Rose. probably don't sell much anymore. Oh, yeah. Probably just downloaded, right? Oh, possibly so. Yeah. Anyway, so um, anyway, so he, like the 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 chief editor person person who's in charge of this newspaper calls you know he looks like Jake and goes he's a foreigner get him out of here he's like no we hired him you know he's <laughs> yeah you he's racist like, you know. <laughs> But there's kind of like that little sense of racism that's in the movie. So um, I thought that was interesting. And um, I thought it was also quite refreshing in a way that, you know, oftentimes Americans are just looked at as the racists. Like the rest of the world is not racist unless you're American. But in, in Japan... And when this show was taking place, like, okay, you're, you're, you might be white and there's probably nothing wrong with you, but you're white in Japan. That means you're less than. Sure. Right. You might be. I don't want to say like a stupid American, but I mean, like you basically <laughs> know nothing of our ways and therefore you are less than right. Mm-hmm. And so everywhere Jake goes, he's going to have to, uh, he's you know, got to deal with it, prove himself and deal with it. Right. And in which I thought his character did a great job of just accepting it. I think, you know, if you're studying Jap- you know, your Japanese culture, then that's something he would have just known. He already knows what the word means. Cause he's fluent in, in Japan. Sure. Um, but the, the way the, the expressions on his face whenever he'd be called that wasn't like oh, you know, sucks to be me right now. Yeah, you know, uh, it's just a foregone conclusion that he understands, yeah. and it doesn't. He doesn't let it get to him. He just rolls with the punches and that sort of thing. And you know, without going too far down a rabbit hole, I mean, that is kind of the ironic thing about racism itself is that racism is colorblind. It's not right. exclusive to just one culture of people. Right. Unfortunately, it exists everywhere. Right. So, I mean, you just got to, you know, deal with it and then hopefully, uh, you know, <laughs> deal with <sighs> it. I'm, yeah. Hopefully loving kindness <laughs> trumps all. <laughs> so anyhow, you know, so Jake would meet up with, I think her name was Sam or Samantha, Sammy. Samantha. Like Samantha. And yeah. so she said it too, like, okay, you had to be, you know, called a gaijin too. You have to deal with it. Sure. People were calling her a gaijin. Uh, and, you know, and, and she had to prove herself. She was running from something just like Jake was running from something. She got stardom at this club. Um, but again, fast forwarding to Jake's friend at the club, Gaijin means, okay, foreigner, but it makes sense that he doesn't know anything Mm -hmm. because he's not one of us. Yeah. Right. So uh, that's all he really had to say because he's been dealing with it throughout the entire show is that yeah oh i'm i'm proving that that me jake whatever his last name was it was yeah. like sullivan or sullivan yeah i don't know what it was michigan or wisconsin whatever he's from jake uh oh uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh it, it's jake adelstein adelstein yeah. yeah anyway so all you had to do was basically tell them what they already knew and we're calling him anyway they made perfect sense yeah 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 What else about the show, Steve? Hmm. Well, I kind of thought that um, we went back in history quite a bit with how men treated women in a way because mm-hmm. uh, they definitely have their roles. Yes. At least in the 90s in Japan. Um, so you have the editor. What was her name? Russ? What was her name? The editor. Who? At the at the paper, the one Jake's boss. Oh, I don't like recall. direct supervisor. Yeah, I don't recall her name. I'll look yet, it up. But I just ahead and look. Anyway, Well what what do you getting? So anyway, so getting, like, like nasty. for example, so you know she had she she's always trying to like rise above all the men that work at the newspaper. And then when there was a company party, like she's the one pouring drinks, not like uh, yeah. youngerlings or whatever youngerlings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, or like, you know, w- when she goes out, uh, to talk with a source, like she's the one who like, oh, you're a woman, you don't know anything. And they're all like, kind of flirting on her, squeezing on her leg and yeah. stuff. So she has to deal with that junk, yeah, misogyny, that non- you know. nons- nonsense, uh, like a lot of women in the show were like, just stay at home moms or you homemakers or or whatever you call them. A lot of the men are in the workforce and make the decisions. And that's how it is. Yeah, you do see quite a bit of that in, in the show. And um like some of the, the examples that you just gave, you know, I, I remember watching that and just kind of wincing like, oh man, that's like that's not cool. Or like what was who was the uh one of the 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 sick uh Yakuza he was one of the bosses. He is yeah. one of the bosses, and so he has this. I don't know. if It was why I think it was wife, but I think actually no. I think she was a mistress. Like his main, yeah, his main you, side piece. You saw his wife from time to time, but then there were moments where his girlfriend, his mistress, or whatever. Uh, who we saw a lot more of because, like, Jake was trying to ask her questions and that sort of thing. Yeah, like, I mean, and she was in a very abusive relationship. Man, that was, like, <laughs> this is terrible. Terrible. Like, I she's could... a prisoner in, in like, this like, you know, supposedly, uh, I don't know, social elite Ugh. relationship. My like, goodness. Like, she's just there to satisfy a purpose. Yeah. I do think it's also worth noting that Sato... Uh, who was a member of Yakuza, you know, he um, had a crush on Samantha. Right. Um, He got to know Jake. You know, um, he was also one of my favorite parts of the entire show. I really bought into, like, his character. There was a lot of acting on his face that I appreciated. And, you know, every kind of scenario that, that he found himself in, it was like you could tell he was just going farther and farther down this hole of, of Yakuza. And, um, you know, you could tell that he was a, he's a good guy that he just, maybe he made some wrong decisions or he was desperate or who knows. I mean, you could tell even, even with his family, like the relationship is on the rocks and that's putting it lightly. I mean, his mom wants nothing to do with him. Or There was a hospital scene, um, and so there's a lot of conflict. I feel like, like the show does a really good job of examining like, each character's own brand of conflict. So it doesn't matter if you know it, it's the Yakuza boss that has some sort of terminally uh, ill uh, condition. Terminally. Terminally ill. What did I say? Term-y. termy. Did I say termy? Yeah. Like Wait, when, the termi- that- when the termites are biting through you. Yeah. That sounds cute. Oh, okay. But you have that or like, sure. you know, you have the, the Sato thing that I just talked about or Samantha situation where like, you know, she was a uh, she came from a, a Mormon family. Uh-huh. She was doing missionary work in Japan. She abandoned that and then, Stole you know, money from she, him, yeah. She, yeah, she's kind of running from her past kind of situation. Anyway, many of the characters have like their own type of conflict. And so that also makes them that much more interesting to find out about. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that as well. I kind of pitied him though. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because um he's yeah, he he like he was just committing to this role that he knew was darkening his soul. Yes. Um and it wasn't like he was okay with it, but he just accepted it. Right. Which I think there's a difference there. And when he was re- like recruiting new people and he was he was told to like be harsher or, or sure or, you know deal out some punishment. He didn't want to do it, but because that was his role, he went overboard with it, like too much sometimes. And sometimes, but he, it was this constant struggle of okay, I have my my mafia family in a, in a sense, and I have my home family, and so my mafia family, I always have to like be the man or, or man up or, um, just be tough, just be tough and reluctant to pain yeah. and, you know, constantly prove myself, be a bodyguard and reluctant and going, to pain, reluctant to. Yeah. I mean, like he was going to have to just go, I'm reluctant to pain. No, for example, like he was going to cut off his finger. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, um, he wasn't going to go whine and you know, piss and moan about it. He was just like, okay, I'm just going to go do it. You know? Oh, I mean, he was, he was terrified. Like, I mean, he was, his face looked white as a sheet. Like it wasn't like he's like, yeah, let's do this. Like, like I mean, he was like dreading it. And luckily of course. he didn't have to actually go through he it. He was dreading, but like, for example, the guy who he had to recruit messed up. And so the guy was right. like, Oh, I have to cut off my fingers. Like, ah, cutting this, you know. Yeah. That was terrible. That was it was terrible. Um that, that was, looked like it hurt, Yeah. Well overall I highly recommend this show. I think you probably do too. I think yeah. that um it it's been like the sleeper hit of a show on HBO Max. It, I mean just it, it's a very original fresh yeah, fr- original fresh, engaging, immersive show. I mean I, I just I I remember like when I got to the final episode and I was sad cause I wanted to see it keep going. And especially right. at the time, I didn't re- know if they were going to pick up like say uh, a second season or if they were just going to kind of keep it there because they, I mean, there is a cliffhanger that I won't spoil on the show, but like, there's a many cliffhangers. Yeah. There's actually multiple cliffhangers that, you know, you're just like, well, what's going to happen next. So right. if you haven't checked it out, definitely do. And according to, to Steve's, snooping around apparently a season two has been greenlit. So I think uh, I speak for the two of us when I say we're both very excited when yes. for that to come out, we'll be checking it out. So we will. that wraps up this episode of joygasm. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreoncom joygasm where you can enjoy exclusive perks and early access to the show. Not to mention it financially helps us continuing doing said show. Also, make sure you click on that subscribe button as well as that uh, notification bell. That way you will not miss a single episode of Joygasm. It drops them once a week, every week. And while you are at it, do a search for at Joygasm TV on your favorite social media platform of choice. We're on all of them. You'll be able to enjoy some extra little behind-the-scenes goodies and whatnot. And last but not least, you can do a search for JoyGasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our video game adventures live every Wednesday night at 9:30 p.m. Central Time. We will look forward to hanging out with all of you once again next week.